Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by patrons like Lowry Sweeney. Support Switchcraft and my other content for as little as a dollar and get exclusive rewards at patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. Episode 112 of Switchcraft is brought to you by Thanksgiving. Today's Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and I just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you out there who are listening to my show and watching my Twitch streams. You guys are fantastic. I really appreciate it. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Super Mario Odyssey in full-on spoiler discussion. I have a friend of mine, Tom Tate, on the show today. And he is going to help me uh, pick apart every last piece of Mario Odyssey, put it back together, and serve it to you on a plate with some gravy and maybe some mashed potatoes. Stick around. So I am joined today by Tom Tate, who is an awesome Nintendo podcaster uh, he does the show Power Time Podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that podcast, Tom? Yeah, definitely. So the Power Time Podcast was kind of a, a project that I really wanted to start after the Nintendo Power issues ended up on archive.org. Uh, so I was really excited that all these Nintendo Power issues were readily available. I started reading them. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if there was a podcast where each episode coincided with an actual issue? So I started this podcast where I would take an issue, I would do kind of a deep dive into the featured game, the featured games, and then I would record kind of a, not necessarily a page by page, but just go through the highlights of the issue. And because I'm doing it chronologically, it almost becomes this kind of journey through the history of Nintendo one year at a time. So it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, it's fun to listen to as well. And he gets fantastic music in his, uh, in his podcast. I was listening to an episode yesterday. And I messaged him on Discord, what was that song at this point? Because it was a fantastic song. I actually backed up to listen to the music multiple times. Uh, so if you're looking for a good podcast to listen to, definitely check out Tom's show. That being said, that's not actually what we're here to talk about. Today, we are here to talk about a spoiler-filled episode of Super Mario Odyssey. So we're going to be spoiling everything. If you haven't finished the game... Uh, and by finished, I mean just the story mode because I haven't quote unquote finished the game because there's so much more to do. Uh, but if you haven't finished the game, I suggest you just hit pause and in a couple weeks when you finish it, uh, come on back and, and give us a listen. Uh, so Tom decided to join me so I'd have someone to talk to, uh, about this. Let's start off and we've got like really, really loose show notes here. Uh, let's start off with favorite kingdom. So, Tom, what did you think? Uh, what was your favorite kingdom to, to visit? So I think thematically for me, Mario Odyssey was awesome because you're being introduced to these environments that Mario is typically never in. So New Donk City for me definitely stood out. And I know that we saw so much of it in kind of the trailers and the previews leading up to the release of the game. But I was really, really excited to step into New Donk City in the earlier 
segment of that kingdom where it's raining. It's got this totally dark, different vibe. It kind of felt like like a Kingdom Hearts 2 type of thing uh, when I was in that particular kingdom in the beginning. And then you uh, kind of defeat that mid-boss. And then it's a totally different experience, right? So New Donk City was a lot of fun. And I felt the same about, I think it was the Ruined Kingdom uh, when you fight the dragon. And I thought that that was just really cool. Like, I, I never expected to control Mario in a world that was as dark as those two environments. I felt very... Uh, outer worldly for Mario. So it was a lot of fun uh, to step into those. How about you? Yeah, I, you know, because of all of the stuff that we saw for New Donk City, uh, first off, when you first get there and it's raining and it's dark, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, there were a couple moments where I had almost vertigo as I was trying to make these jumps across these, um, uh, I guess I don't know what they would be called, the metal bars. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, the beams? Yeah, beams, thank you. Like sure. the metal beams, the girders. Uh, as you're trying to make those jumps and it's moving back and forth, and, and like I almost had vertigo in parts of that. And I really, really liked that. But because we had seen so much of New Donk City uh, beforehand, when it when we got to the part where it was sunny and we really had time to explore, I was like, you know what, I'm ready to go someplace else. So I just kind of beelined through that. And moved on to the next place, uh, which I can't remember where it was. Um, yeah, I really, I really wish I kind of shut out a lot of the marketing for this game leading up to. It. It's hard when you're covering Nintendo on a podcast to just do that. Uh, but I really wish I kind of stepped away from a lot of the trailers and a lot of the previews that they had leading up to the game. Yeah, do you feel like you, um, do you feel like you were able to play the game relatively spoiler free? Yeah, after the game was released, I did my best to stay away from spoilers. I didn't read any reviews. Uh, I didn't listen to any podcasts where they talked about it uh, because I, I have uh, I have a newborn, so it's it's really hard for me to get my gaming time in. Uh, so I knew that I wasn't going to be able to complete this game as quickly as other reviewers and other podcasters and other people would be. Uh, so for me, I went completely dark after the game was released to avoid kind of the end-of-game spoilers and things like that. Yeah, same here. I... I mean, I also I have kids and a full time job, and uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't play it as as hardcore as uh, a lot of the people who I talk to on a regular basis. Um, I'm still sitting at I think like 300 moons, uh, but I've been distracted by other games since uh, since then. Um, but I do feel like I I was relatively spoiler free. Like the big moments, which we'll definitely talk about, the surprises. I was surprised for all of those, and I was really, really happy about that. Um, as far as my favorite kingdoms, I would say the uh, feudal Japan Bowser's Kingdom, uh, where he, where Mario gets the samurai uh, outfit. I thought that that place was gorgeous and really, really uh, well developed. You could, you could see the end in the distance at the very beginning, and you knew exactly where you had to go, and. You know, at the beginning, you're like, how am I going to get there? And and you eventually make it through that that whole thing. And it, it was really amazing. I also really, really liked the Woodland. Uh, I think it was called the Woodland Kingdom. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that that was really cool. And, it, and, and it, it, it contained one of those surprises that I, I almost wonder if there's people who missed it, who finished the game, but completely missed the... Um, the Dark Woods Kingdom, um, like not Kingdom, but the Dark Woods section, uh, because I found it by accident and I was really surprised and I thought it was amazing. 
Did you find that? So it's funny you say that. I found it on my second go through of that kingdom. Uh, I didn't find it in my initial playthrough. Yeah. So if you guys don't know, if you want to find that, uh, you just I, I I won't I won't spoil it for you. Um, but f- you know, make a mistake and then you'll find it. Um, so yeah. yeah. You've got the show notes open in front of you. What 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 topic do you want to cap um cap uh tackle next? I, I think some of the surprises, uh, as as you listed here, I, I think are really interesting. Uh, definitely some things that I personally didn't expect. Uh, so the Mushroom Kingdom, I'll just jump right into it. The Mushroom Kingdom for me uh, was was very exciting as a longtime Mario fan to just like be plopped back into that particular kingdom. It felt exactly like it felt in. Uh, Super Mario 64, and it was the moment where you walk through uh, Peach's castle doors and the camera kind of shifted around and the music kicked in. It was almost identical, you know, to the feeling I felt when I first walked in through those doors in, in Mario 64. So, like, some of those surprises I thought were really delightful, and I, I don't know whose design decisions, uh, it, you know, who came up with these design decisions, but there were all these little moments, these little micro moments throughout playing the game where I wouldn't describe them as anything other than delightful. Uh, it was just incredibly enjoyable uh, when when you're uh, standing idle in, in a world and a different bird will come fly on Mario's nose when he falls asleep. Like those little moments I thought were just really charming and really delightful. I never noticed that. I noticed that Mario would fall asleep because uh, he did that in Mario 64. So I left yeah, him alone yeah. for long enough and I saw it once and I was like, oh, cool. Mario falls asleep. That's awesome. That's what he's supposed to do. I never paid attention to to being a different type of bird in each one. That's it's crazy. The, that's These the kind things, of attention yeah. to detail that Nintendo is is amazing for. And and there was so much of that in this game. And I think that's why, you know, it yielded some pretty high scores. Like I think people are really happy with the polish of this game. Well, and that's what Nintendo is famous for. Uh all right, let's let's talk about another big surprise. Uh actually, let's talk about a small surprise first, the Jaxi ride. Um did you know when you first walked up to it that it was going to be like that? Because I did not. I had no idea. And this is another example of something that I didn't encounter until my second go through of that particular kingdom. I made it through that entire kingdom without encountering a single Jaxi. And then uh, when I came back after I finished the game, I was doing the race. Uh, and in doing the race, you almost need to ride the Jaxi to, to, to place in that race. Uh, so that's when I first discovered the Jaxi. And then when I was hunting for moons, I discovered the actual, you know, Jaxi and the, the mechanics when you approach it. So it's funny, like there's so many different ways that you can approach these kingdoms. Uh, and I feel like everyone has had a different playthrough because of that. And for those of you that, that don't that maybe missed out on the what Tom was talking about, the Jaxis are like these almost like stone cat uh, mounts that you can get on. And they ride, they go really, really fast, and they are hard to control. And one of my favorite moments was in in that Sand Kingdom. I got on a Jaxi, and I ran, or I, I jumped into, like, I had to go past all this purple poison stuff. And I jumped into, like, this area, and it was me riding the Jaxi through this purple poison area. And I had to find moons in there and uh, try and control it as it, you know, it tries to take a 90 degree turn. And it's just like if you have a cat trying to chase down a laser pointer uh, yes, and, yes. and you t- you move the laser pointer away from the cat and the cat's backside just slides around as it's trying to take a, a, a corner. And it felt 
really, really perfect. And at first I was like, oh, I don't like how this controls. But after maybe a minute, I was like, oh, this is this is great. I really, really like it. And I had so much fun in that zone. I, I kept wishing that there were more Jaxi things later on. We didn't talk about Sand Kingdom earlier when we were talking about our favorite kingdoms, but I, I feel like in thinking about it, that was one of the largest kingdoms that you get to explore. And I thought that that was, that was really fun. I almost wish that some of the other kingdoms had that same scale uh, because even thinking about uh, Cascade Kingdom, uh, where you encounter the T-Rex, they feel kind of com- compact. They, they didn't feel, in, in retrospect, that large uh, compared to a few of the kingdoms. So I, I felt like this was a really big game. Uh, but I was able to run through this game pretty pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I put in maybe 30 hours uh, total, and, and I feel like I've explored most of... Well, I feel like I've explored all of the kingdoms. I didn't find all of the moons yet, but I feel like I've explored all of the environments that there are to ex- explore. Um, so it, it would almost be interesting if if some of the other worlds had that that scale. Yeah, um, I, I will say that you, you call them compact. I would use a different word. I would say dense. Like, sure. even though that they're small, there is so much stuff hidden in each one. And in the in the Sand Kingdom, it feels like everything was just spread out a lot more, which almost makes me wonder if that's one of the reasons they put the Jaxies in there is to sure. help Mario get from one place to another faster. So he's not just running across these the barren landscape of the desert um for like a minute at a time or something like that yeah that totally makes sense all right well we've we've talked about surprises but we left out the biggest surprise in the game and i don't know why i was surprised by it in looking back at it i like i we should we all should have known that this was going to happen and that's when you get i think i know yeah i think i know where you're heading with this yeah and that's when you get to become bowser was that a surprise to you or you were like of course that happens yeah, it, it was a surprise up until the very moment, right? Like the moments leading up to it. So I didn't expect that to ever happen as I was playing through the entire game. But there was that that kind of brief moment prior to it actually happening where I thought, okay, I see what's going to happen now. Like I, I, I see where this is going. Uh, and to be able to, to control Bowser uh, was, was really amazing. And again, uh, talking through kind of those moments of delight that was kind of weaved throughout this game, uh, what was a bigger surprise to me was the 2D segment. Right. So to, to control Bowser was uh, kind of surprising, but then to actually go through that 2D segment as Bowser, where it was a total 8-bit throwback where you can kind of blow fire just like the original Mario Brothers, that was incredibly enjoyable for me. Yeah, I totally agree. When when I had finally defeated Bowser and he's laying there on the ground and Peach is standing next to me and I'm standing there and I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I think some yeah. I, like I was streaming it at my on my Twitch site, and I think one one of the people in chat was go said, um, "How do you solve every problem in this game?" And I was like, "Oh, oh!" And that's when it dawned on me. You could l- literally see the little light bulb go on over my head, and I was just dumbfounded that it didn't occur to me to throw my hat at Bowser. I just thought, "Well, they wouldn't let us do that," and so I threw the hat at Bowser. You know, and he's he's running through, and the controls were great. You're 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 definitely right. The the it controlled really well, and I liked how how it happened. And then there was the tube or tube, the warp pipe in front of him. And then you're looking at it, and you're like, "How is Bowser going to fit in here?" Uh, and I thought, "Oh, I'm going to have to leave Bowser and go through as Mario." Um, 
But then Bowser just shoved himself through that warp pipe. And then, of course, the 2D stuff took over. And, like, my son was sitting next to me, and we were playing it. And it was just so fun to play. And it really makes me want a 3D Bowser game where maybe some other villain kidnaps Peach and Mario's nowhere to be found. And Bowser's like, well, it looks like I got work to do and has to go rescue her. And I think that'd be a really great way to turn the everything on its head or maybe have that be as the DLC that everybody's clamoring for for this game. Sure. Um, so any other big uh, surprises that you want to talk about? Well, just to add to that, the moment when the music kicks in, uh, when you're Bowser, the uh, Honeyloon Ridge escape theme with lyrics, I thought that that was a really interesting moment, too, to actually have a, a song with lyrics during gameplay. And I know Jump Up Superstar was released, you know, prior to the the game being released. And a lot of people heard that song through the commercial and various uh, places. But that little action montage at the end where Honeyland Ridge comes on, uh, it's kind of like an upbeat, poppy rock song. It felt like like a mid-90s action movie that was nearing hmm. the end of the movie. And I felt, you know, I, I felt all those feelings. I, I felt playing video games back in the 90s, you know, playing on this modern console in 2017. Uh, it was a really cool game. It was a really cool moment. Uh, so I thought that that was, that whole Bowser experience was really surprising. I also felt that encountering the T-Rex as early as you did was was a little surprising to me. I get why Nintendo did it, and I'm glad that they did it that way, but I almost felt like the T-Rex was going to be kind of a later in the game type of experience. Uh, but it was pretty cool that, you know, that quickly into the game, you're controlling a, a T-Rex. You know, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I was almost a little irritated that they showed off the T-Rex in, um, like, the marketing stuff. And then I was like, oh, it's in the first it's in the first zone, so yeah. that's fine. It's okay. You can spoil the first zone. That doesn't bother me. But then he comes back in the deep woods. So, right. yep. so that was also uh, unexpected, and I was really happy about it. And I loved how he behaved in the deep woods, that you had to get him to run into a tree in order to capture him. Yeah, it, it, you know, another surprise, and this kind of ties into, you know, if you want to talk about the Brutals, I was really surprised that there was no Luigi, there was no Yoshi, or at least as far as I've seen. Uh, maybe there's spoilers to be spoiled later that I haven't discovered yet, but uh, that that there is no uh, Koopa Kids. You know, it's really a new uh, cast, a new experience for Mario uh, and for Mario game. And, you know, that introduced the Brutals. Uh, I would love your opinion on the Brutals. And then I'll be happy to jump in and share mine as well. Okay. Um, I really don't like the Brutals at all. And there's a, there's a, it, they feel like lazy design almost. Like they, they've done such a wonderful job crafting this world and coming up with these fantastic enemies for, for us to fight. And then the Brutals just feel like lazy design. And then another reason that I don't like them is. With Mario plus Rabbids having come out just a, a what two months prior, maybe it was one month, yeah, two months prior to this game coming out, like it, I'm sure that that adds confusion to a lot of consumers. They're like, wait, are these the Rabbids? Because they look like Rabbids, and I, you know, I just I wasn't sure why they didn't just bring in the Koopa Kids. I feel like the Koopa Kids would have been. Um, I don't know. Just there, I just feel like the Koopa Kids are better designed as as just the characters overall. I will say, however, that the the fights with the Brutals were fun. They were a little on the easy side, but they were fun. 
Yeah, and I, I would agree with you completely. I put 55 hours into Mario plus Rabbits. I think I 100%ed everything that you could do in the game, nice. short of the DLC. I, I put so much time into that game, and I was kind of rabbit out by the end of it. So to be introduced to the Brutals in Odyssey, it, it felt kind of lazy, as you mentioned. And I wanted so badly those elements of old Mario games to appear throughout this game, but it felt like such a different experience until you hit the Mushroom Kingdom uh, at the end. And I, I guess that's for the better. I mean, maybe it's like kind of the old the old man in me that wants all these throwbacks. I, I do host a retro podcast, so it makes sense uh, that I would want things that call back to the Koopa Kids and Super Mario 3, Super Mario World. Uh, and we didn't really get a lot of that, but I, I was always kind of wishing throughout the game that these were just Koopa Kids. Uh, so I'll, I'll take it or leave it, uh, but I, I, I don't know. The boss battles were definitely easy. Uh, and, you know, some of them reminded me of, like, the ARMS character designs. Uh, I, I don't know if you felt that at all. Um, I didn't really notice the ARMS character design at all. Um, can can you expand on that a little bit? Like, which boss reminded you of ARMS? Uh, just the way. I, there was a couple of the different attacks that felt like ARMS character attacks and, uh, oh. like, literally extending ARMS. I, I forget which Brutal had that. Um, I'll have to go back and, and, and double-check. And then, you know, there was also some levels where, like, the uh, kind of the slime felt like Splatoon slime. Oh, I yeah, felt a yeah, lot yeah. Of elements. I felt a lot of elements in this game were being pulled from other Switch games. Uh, some design elements, some, like, actual assets. Like, the actual slime felt like Splatoon slime uh, in, in one of the worlds. I forget which world that was as well, uh, which is cool. I mean, it definitely felt like a Switch game because of it. Uh, so there was a lot of interesting stuff there. Well, we already started talking about bosses. Um, so the Brutals are like the the required bosses, I feel like. And then the levels also had optional bosses that you could go after. Um, some of them were optional. Some of them were not, I guess. I mean, because you could just get the, the, the moons that you needed and then get back in the ship and leave without sure. going after the boss. Um, which of the bosses like really jumped out to you as the ones that you really enjoyed fighting? I definitely remember uh, the uh, the electric spider creature uh, that you fight at New Donk City and uh, the uh, Cocketeel. And I like those a lot because I felt like they made good use of the uh, characters that you need to transform into to, to actually complete. Uh, so I remember with the, the spider, you need to uh, take over the tank. Uh, and with the cooked seal, you take over that little uh, thing that could hop up, you know, the different uh, that could swim, right? Swim on top of the stew. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. I, I remember the the brigadier as well, but that was so challenging. I found that one to be pretty challenging, and it took me a while actually to figure out how to actually uh, take take that uh, boss down. Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> by the way, did you know in the Mushroom Kingdom you get to go if you find the right paintings, you can go and fight these bosses again in a harder mode. Yes, yes. And I, I haven't done that yet. Uh, but I did watch a couple of YouTube videos of those those battles. And I'm pretty excited. I'm going to jump into those soon. So my favorite uh, boss in the game, I think, was the Ruined Dragon. Um, yes, not, yes. not just because it was so surprising, because Mario was fighting an actual, like, realistic-looking dragon, which it calls into question, what the hell is Bowser? You know, but, right, but at right. the same time, you know, when Mario went to New Donk City and there's people there, you're like, well, is Mario not a person then? So is Bowser not a dragon then? I don't know. It's that 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 leaves uh, we'll leave those questions to the experts, I guess. But 
that ruined dragon fight was really really cool and it it very much reminded me of the type of fight that i would have in an mmo like a world of warcraft kind of thing especially the second time that you fight him uh in the mushroom kingdom the 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 lightning that he sends out uh when his head goes down uh it has different shapes to it and you have to weave your way through it. And it's really amazing. It's a fantastic fight. And, uh, you, you feel like they, they timed it perfectly. The, the, the ability for Mario to get up on top of his head, uh, throw Cappy to take out all of these little posts and then, uh, butt stomp his head. Like I felt like every single time that I did it, I just barely had enough time to do it. And I feel like this game, just like Breath of the Wild, went through very, very intense testing to um, to modify that stuff so that it was just perfect. Um, you mentioned the cockatiel, I, or cockatiel. Uh, that's the bird who's trying to make the stew. Um, by the way, I loved when you, um, the, the way that you got to the boss where you had to capture the meat. Yeah, yeah. he becomes <laughs> a big hunk of meat, Mario. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. With the mustache. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, and, and like you were like the, the little lava ball fighting. I thought that was really fun. Uh, I, I thought the Bowser fight was fun both times. I liked, uh, you know, you would take his hat with the boxing gloves. And, uh, and that's a nice throwback to Nintendo's very first toy, uh, which was, um, I, I think it was, uh, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? The, the, the guy that invented the Game Boy. Do you remember his name? Uh, is it uh, Gunpei uh, Yokoi? Yeah, Gunpei Yokoi. Yeah. He had invented like the power grabber thing or something where you squeezed it and it, the, it was an extendable arm. And that just totally reminded me of that when uh, when Bowser had his hat with the boxing gloves. I thought that was really cool. Um, I kind of said how much I hated the the Brutals, but I love their robot version. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was a very well designed boss uh for any game uh, especially for a mario game like i felt like the there was a couple different steps you needed to take to actually take him down uh but once you figured it out uh it was a very rewarding boss fight definitely and i really like the way that the first time that you fight it did you did you beat it the second time yet i haven't i haven't gone through that oh uh, god that is repeats. tough that is really yeah. tough um that's on the dark side of the moon and it is incredibly difficult to even get to the boss, let alone... Well, defeating it is is not as bad as just getting to him. Um, but anyway, the first time that you fight, you're this little bird uh, with like a woodpecker nose. And they're, the, his legs are covered in metal. You got to knock the bombs into his legs. The metal's gone. And then you got to climb up him by sticking your nose into the leg and then flicking the controller or the the left stick down and letting go and it kind of springs him up and that is such a satisfying feeling same with the forks in the lunch zone i don't remember right, the right. names of places uh it was just so fun playing uh the way that they got the controls to feel were amazing uh any other bosses you want to talk about i i I think those two, so Bowser and the, the Robo Brood, the difficulty of those two bosses felt like, as, as kind of a longtime gamer, what I wish the difficulty of the game was, you know, from the start. I, I know that this game definitely appeals to a wide audience, people who haven't played games in a while, kids. Uh, but once I got to the Robo Brood, I felt like the game kind of reached a level of difficulty that made beating these bosses super rewarding for me. 
Okay. Um, well, let's take a second and talk about difficulty then. Um, so overall, you feel like the game was too easy? I felt like I felt like the bosses were very easy. Uh, we talked a little bit about the brutals being super simple once you figured out. You only had to hit them three times. Once you figured that out, you know it was pretty easy to to take them down. Uh, their patterns were pretty simple. Uh, there were some platforming difficulties uh, in certain kingdoms where if you were trying to achieve a very specific moon, uh, it was a little bit challenging. But one of the cool things about this game is you could just choose to continue on with the game, ignore it and continue on, and then I guess purchase it later if you choose. Yeah, I felt like the, the way that they designed Mario's movement allows allowed you to to decide for you how hard the game was going going to be. Um, and I feel like what they did, and I could be wrong. This is just my gut feeling as I played the game. And at the at the probably until about halfway through, I totally agree that the game was too easy. Um, sure, but. Going actually after beating the game and then going back and just trying to find moons and kind of slowing down to not try and rush through to get to the story stuff because uh, I was afraid somebody would spoil it. Um, what I feel like I started to notice is that Nintendo designed these levels with these very complicated chains of moves in mind, like the ability for Mario to. Uh, do a squat jump and then a butt stomp and then jump out of that um, that butt stomp to get up higher, then throw his hat out forward, dive to his hat, jump off of his hat, then um, wall jump off a couple things and climb up to something. Like, that's a really crazy chain of moves. And I feel like they designed the game so that you could do that. And then they said, okay, let's go back and all the places that are too hard will just give people an option to... Uh, hit a thing or capture a thing in order to get across this. Whereas if you're good enough, you can uh, you can skip all that stuff and really show off your skill. And I feel like this allows N Nintendo to make a very, very approachable game. But at the same time, uh, if you play a lot of games, the game has a high skill ceiling. I, I That's how I felt about it. Um and I feel like the reason why it was like this is is mainly because their controls were so good. What do you think about the controls? So I, I guess my, my follow-up question would be, how did you play the game? Were you mostly on the pro controller or did you have it you know, docked, undocked? Because I think that actually definitely has an impact on how you approach the controls of the game. Yeah, I was a uh, pro... Well, I started out... Um, using the, the Joy-Cons, split Joy-Cons like Nintendo wants you to, except I don't ever use the straps on the Joy-Cons unless I'm playing with them sideways. I sure. find that more, I find them more comfortable because I feel like I can wrap my hands around the Joy-Cons a little bit better, my fingers anyway. Uh, so probably for the first, I don't know, two or three worlds, I was using the split Joy-Cons, and then I knew that I was going to have to to talk about the game on my podcast. And so I wasn't, I, I, I said, oh, I'm not going to let myself be comfortable. I need to try everything so I can talk about it. And so I got the pro controller and at first I was like, Oh, this is a nightmare because I can't do this move and I can't do that move. One of the most important moves is the one where when you throw Cappy and you miss, you just shake the right joy con and it goes over and hits him. 
And it, that was a little cumbersome to do with the Pro Controller. And I really didn't like using the Pro Controller for about an hour. But because I wanted to force myself to uh, be able to talk about each different control scheme, uh, I, I didn't put down the Pro Controller for a while. And after about an hour, there was no going back to the Joy-Cons. I felt like it was way more comfortable to use the Pro Controller. Um, I think the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller is one of the best controllers ever made, and it's mostly because of the big, flat buttons. I love how big and flat those buttons are. Uh, what about you? How did you play? So I, I would say I played 95% of this game undocked with the Joy-Cons attached to the actual Switch. And I was frustrated. I got very comfortable with that, but I became frustrated when there are certain moons where you, you have to take the Joy-Cons off to leverage kind of the full capabilities. Otherwise, you'll be shaking your Switch, which I didn't want to do, right? Right. Uh, it felt uncomfortable, and it felt like, you know, this is an expensive piece of hardware. I shouldn't be shaking it vigorously. Uh, so I would have to take the Joy-Cons off, which was a little bit frustrating. Uh, but I, I definitely found that with the controls, there were those complex chains of moves. And I it wasn't until I started needing to use a few of them to obtain a few moves that I started adopting a few more frequently, right? So I started playing the game very straightforward, not leveraging all of my skill set. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, you could do that when I had to do it to obtain a certain move. And then I would just start doing that more frequently. So I, I kind of felt myself leveling up as I played, uh, just as I encountered certain challenges where I had to uh, take advantage of it. Uh, but again, the the beauty of the Switch for me is this this freedom of preference. And it's, it's really cool just to kind of peruse the internet and see all the different uh, play styles that people kind of assumed when they were playing this game. Uh, so I, I, I like the fact that you could play with the Pro Controller you could play docked, undocked. Uh, and, you know, it felt for the most part, aside from a few of those moves, fairly unlimiting. You know, I felt like my experience was going to be the same uh, regardless of how I was playing. Did you feel at any point that you wish that the motion controls could be turned off? Not that not that they could be turned off. I almost felt like there, w if there was just a button combination or, or an extra way to trigger like that, that extension of Cappy, right? Uh, or the ability to um, to directly hit something if you waggle it, right? Uh, so I, I almost wish there was just a, a way to kind of fake it with controls uh, instead of needing the motion controls. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I definitely understand. And they were pushing for it. Every time you started the game, it kind of gave you the indication that they wanted you to play with the Joy-Cons off. And I understand that. Yeah, I, I will go back to a point that you made just a second ago about how you felt like you were leveling up. The The progression in this game is very, very cool because Mario has every skill that he needs at the very beginning of the game. You just don't know it. Yeah. And as you play, you you discover the stuff accidentally. And I like that so much more than when a game kind of gets in your way and says, hold up, here's a skill that you need to learn right now. And you can't really move on until you do. Uh, they just allowed me, and I'm, I'm guessing you as well, to as you're playing, you know, oh, I, I need to do this. Um, I need to find a way to get a little bit faster for this one moon, and then you discover a way to do that. Or maybe you talk to somebody, and they're like, oh, just try this. And I like that Nintendo kind of got out of your way and let you just discover it on your own. I, I totally agree with that, and I, I felt that way 
with uh, Breath of the Wild. Like, I feel like that's one comparison I've made with Mario and Breath of the Wild is Nintendo's ability to design an experience where you are completely exploring this world and your capabilities within it. And like you said, it gets out of the way. Nintendo gets out of the way and lets the environment and the challenge at hand uh, kind of teach you how, how to do the thing that you need to do. Uh, and I, th- I felt like I felt a lot of the same experiences playing Breath of the Wild while I was playing Odyssey. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. Um, I mean, they're both. Well, I, I don't know that I can even really compare them, but <laughs> it's it's really yeah, tough I, to, to put I, these I, two in the same. The, the one's an apple, one's an orange, but they're both definitely whatever. You know what I mean? It's so weird. Yeah, it's really hard to compare the two. I've been trying to avoid that. I think the only <laughs> thing I would compare is is the uh, the feeling that I I had playing each game was similar in a lot of ways. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, as, as far as my thoughts on the on the motion controls, I do. I personally wish that there were unused buttons on the Pro Controller. There were unused buttons on the Joy-Con, and if they had given me the option to push a button to throw Cappy up instead of moving because because that's a move that that a lot of people don't even know that you can do you can throw cappy straight up to to grab something above you and if in order to do that you have to move your controllers up and it's very irritating to have to do that when there's buttons on the controller that are never used and uh, i just feel like it's one more example of nintendo being nintendo where they're like nope our way is the best way and uh, you're going to do it our way and that's the only way that you're going to do it. And um, I wish that they would just give us a little more options. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And I'm trying to think, like, who is that functionality really for? Like, are kids going to really appreciate that? Possibly. I'm not sure. You know, but I, I, I there, there is an audience out there that I'm sure loves the motion controls. Uh, I'm not personally one that absolutely needs them. Uh, I'd prefer the Pro Controller or, you know, having it undocked, as I usually do anyway. So, right. Well, um, so we got two more topics to talk about real quick. Uh, what's your favorite outfit that Mario gathered throughout uh, his travels? Yeah, so two of them uh, I'll point out real fast that really stuck with me. Mario 64, obviously. Uh, total throwback. That was a surprise to me. I didn't. I expected some kind of throwback outfit, uh, but not one that kind of really took on the polygonal Mario for Mario 64. So that was really exciting. And then the football suit actually reminded me, or the football uniform, reminded me of the Charge and Chuck character from Super Mario World, which mm. was the Koopa in the football uh, uniform. And I was kind of excited to see that as well. Didn't really fit in with any of the worlds, uh, but I thought that was a cool suit. Yeah, I, I really, I was very excited when the Mario 64, co- when I unlocked that, but I quickly changed it because I didn't like the way it looked. <laughs> like, I mean, it looked authentic. It looked the way it's supposed to look. But it made Mario feel so out of place in that world, it just bothered me. So I quickly switched away from that to something else. Um, I think my favorite outfit in the game, and I missed it the first time through the level, was the caveman outfit from the first uh, second uh, world. Um, I found that to just be such a charming outfit for him to wear, and it just it it made me laugh every time. And, and I, I was streaming it on my Twitch page. And there were people that would come in and they'd see Mario running around in his caveman outfit and they'd be like, what the hell is Mario wearing? And I'd be like, he's wearing a rug, I guess. I don't know. But 
it was really cool. I also liked the clown. Uh, that, oh yeah. I, yeah, I found that one to be very well done uh, and very creepy at the same time. <laughs> I, I was really creeped out by the clown uh, so much to the the uh, so much so that I didn't ever put it on. Um, I purchased it, but I never actually wore it uh, because <laughs> I hate clowns. I, I I did like the design decision in this game to have challenges where you needed to wear the costume to actually initiate the challenge. So I encountered that for the first time with the caveman. And it was an extra incentive to actually go out of your way to purchase the costumes. Um, so I thought that that was pretty cool as well. Do you see yourself picking up every single costume in this game, like over the next six months or so? I'm a Mario completionist. So I see myself doing as much as I can uh, until I absolutely cannot play anymore because either some other great game has been released uh, or uh, I just can't figure it out. At that point, maybe I'll even just look up a, FAQ or something online to help me get through the last couple of moons. Gotcha. Um, so what were your favorite captures in the game? I thought the T-Rex was great. Uh, again, similar to what you said with the dragon, it just felt so out of place because of how realistic it was. It wasn't a cartoony T-Rex. Like it felt like a Jurassic Park T-Rex, similar to the dragon kind of being this, this MMO dragon. Uh, I thought that that was a lot of fun. Uh, to kind of capture. I didn't feel like the controls were super fun with the T-Rex. It was a little clunky, uh, but it was it was cool to do it. Uh, it was definitely cool to do that up front. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Uh, and I liked the tank. I thought the tank had this cool little old school arcade action feel, uh, shooting the cannons out of the tank. Uh, and I had a lot of fun with that one as well. Yeah, the tank needs to be its own game. That's like one of the first things I said. And the first time you come up against the tanks or... The first time you capture the tanks, I mean, is that rainy section of New Donk City, I, I think. And I captured the tank and I was moving around and I was like, oh man, this is awesome. And this is one of the parts where it was, where it's much better to use the split Joy-Cons than it is to use the um, Pro Controller. Uh, because you um, move around with the left stick and then you can aim using uh, the right stick almost like a pointer just like uh the aiming your bow in breath of the wild and i had so much fun with that that all i could think of was that nintendo needs to bring out like a little uh tank game what would be fantastic especially i know you're a retro guy i don't know if you're old enough to appreciate this though but maybe if nintendo brought back combat did you ever play combat on the atari I, I never played it, but of course I'm familiar with it, for okay. sure. Uh, I would love it if Nintendo would bring those controls to a little tank game like that. I would I would love that. Um, one of my favorite captures in the game was that thing with the long legs. I don't know what it was called, but it's almost like a, an onion or something. And you hold down the jump button and it gets taller. And then when you let go, it kind of jumps over. And as I was playing with as that thing, I was having so much fun... And I just wanted more and more and more of playing that thing. And then when you got to the boss in that zone, you got to use that transformation. I, I, well, I guess that was kind of uh, the theme throughout is that you you learn the transformation. But I felt like this one was better than all of the others, was that thing with the long legs. Uh, I had so much fun with that. And I will say this, you are 100% correct about the T-Rex. It's cool to capture controlling it was very frustrating to me and i did not enjoy it yeah i i, I did the initial couple of challenges that you had to do uh, but I, I rarely went back to the t-rex unless i absolutely had to 
I, I remember the bird too that you mentioned earlier uh, from the kind of samurai Bowser stage. Uh, and that mechanic of flicking it was so rewarding uh, that I definitely appreciated that capture as well. Awesome. All right. So you had a couple questions that you wanted to talk about as well. Um, I'm looking at them on Discord here. You want to go ahead and uh, start the discussion on that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so one of my questions is a lot of people are talking about DLC. And I'm curious, you know, do you want to see DLC with this game? And if so, what type of DLC would you like to see? Like, would you be happy with just more kingdoms, more experiences? Or is there a specific idea or specific direction that you would want Nintendo to go in if they were to release something? Well, I, I think that I think they could go a couple different ways. I think and, and, and both would be valid. Uh, one way that they could go is to have DLC where you get Luigi and you get to use Luigi through the whole game. Uh, because Luigi controls a little bit different, that would really change things up on how uh, on the ways that you could get to these moons. Um, they could do the same thing with bringing in Peach or Toad or any other character that you want to control, uh, like like Yoshi, because Yoshi's got that thing where he jumps and then if you hold it, he kind of wiggles up a little bit higher. You know, adding them to the entire game. Uh, that would really unlock stuff. I think that'd be a lot of work for them, though, and I think that it would be a lot more challenging for them to do to do that than for the, them to just make a new self-contained kingdom and I don't know, say, "Hey, everybody, here's ten dollars. Here's two new kingdoms. Each kingdom has I don't know three captures in it and a boss fight." And I think that Nintendo could continue to monetize this game uh, with a very small team of people while they take the main team from the from from the development of this and they start work on the next Mario game but they could continue to monetize Odyssey by by um, by giving us new kingdoms every I don't know three months or so maybe four maybe six months I'm not sure uh, how about you do you want DLC? I'm kind of conflicted. Like, in a way, I'm happy that this game turned out so well uh, that I think you could just kind of put a cap on it, no pun intended, <laughs> and, and just, be, just be done with it. Uh, but I, I think that in experiencing the Ruined Kingdom and experiencing that dragon fight, why couldn't Mario be placed in Hyrule? Or why couldn't Mario also be placed in brinstar from metroid you know like i think there's an opportunity and i don't think nintendo would ever do this because i don't think they would ever cross these franchises in this way i think it's one thing to do it in mario kart and smash brothers i don't know that they would ever do this but i think it would be so awesome if mario can you know kind of take this odyssey through all these different universes if he could be placed in other nintendo universes with other captures like imagine being able to capture epona and be able to ride as epona through hyrule like that would be fantastic for me as a longtime Nintendo fan. I just don't know that they would, uh, but I, I could see them doing something really interesting if they took that risk. And the other thing that could be cool is for me as a longtime Nintendo gamer, I missed all those connections to the older Nintendo universe or Mario universes. So, you know, there was no Koopa Kids, you know, release a pack that's kind of a Super Mario World themed kingdom and throw in a couple of Koopa Kids and Yoshi uh, in just that kingdom and you know the same music from Super Mario World like that to me would be a really in, incentivizing uh, pickup 
like I would be really excited to hop back into Mario Odyssey, but also kind of into a throwback type of experience by pulling from Mario 3, Super Mario World, maybe even Mario 64, like unlock more Mario 64 levels in Peach's Castle. That could be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be very cool if you could go back and play like the Penguin Race. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of races, I hated Bounce Ball or whatever. Bounce, Bound, Bound, uh, what's it called where you're the snowman? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I forget the name, but oh, I did not enjoy that one. I hated that. And every time that I had to do it, I was I was very unhappy with it. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see them bring in more stuff. And you know what, what always gets, you know, everybody always mentions Mario three, everybody always mentions 64 and super Mario world. And nobody ever talks about super Mario brothers two. And I would love yep, yep. to have wart, uh, like a, a, you have to go to what's it called? Dreamland or something. What if your idea earlier where Wart came back and captured Princess Peach and then you became <laughs> Bowser and it was Bowser going up against Wart? I mean, like that would be such a unique, imaginative kind of storyline that I think most gamers, old and new, would really appreciate playing. Yes. My only uh, requirement is that Bowser would have to pull things out of the ground and throw them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, that would be amazing. Yeah, definitely. That would be fun. Very, very cool. Uh, any last thoughts that you want to talk about uh, about Super Mario Odyssey? Just in general, I would love your opinion on this, and I'm sure it's going to come up you know, throughout the end of the year and then talking about best games in 2017. But I just have a hard time believing that Nintendo could possibly top this year, oh. next year. I know we have kind of a, a preview of some games that might come out next year. Like We don't necessarily know when Metroid Prime 4 is going to be released. No one thinks it's going to be next year. Uh, we haven't heard anything about Smash Brothers. Uh, I, I know we're getting a Yoshi game. We're getting a Kirby game. Those don't feel like heavy hitters to me. I'm sure they're going to be fun and enjoyable and well-designed. But do you think it's possible that Nintendo could top this year at all, uh, even with third-party support? That's really, really tough for them to do. I feel like 2017 has been the best year for Nintendo gamers ever. And... I've lived through all of it, pretty much. Yes. And I just can't imagine that. I mean, they're, they certainly won't have a new Zelda next year. They're definitely not going to have a new Mario next year. So unless they're bringing out DLC for those two games, and that DLC is substantive, like, you know, maybe if you're a Nintendo-only fan, you're probably not going to get this reference, but the Blood and Wine DLC for The Witcher uh is like an entire other game and i feel like what nintendo should do rather than let these um franchises just go out to pasture i really feel like if they want to continue the momentum that they've started in addition to new games uh they need to bring keep bringing the dlc for the games that they already have because they don't have to reinvent the wheel they can just they can have small teams building DLC for these really great games. And then people are less likely to trade those games in as well. I'm very much looking forward to Zelda uh, DLC Pack 2. I feel like it was a mistake for Nintendo to say that we're going to bring it out this year. They should have pushed that till next year because we've got so much to play as it is. Um, but this year, this is the first year that the Switch has been in existence and... It already has like 200 games on it. 
I can't imagine that Nintendo can top this next year because you're right, Kirby and Yoshi games are coming, but those are B-listers at best. I, sure. I, and I know that there's people who enjoy those games, but they're not they're not the cream of the crop. And the Metroid game is a logo. The Metroid game, I feel like the only reason that they even announced it was because was because they had the 3DS version and they said if we announce this 3DS uh, 3DS version and we don't say that they're we're working on something for the Switch, people are going to boycott the 3DS version. So I think that's the only reason we actually got to hear about Metroid Prime 4 was just so that people would calm down. The same thing with the Pokemon game, which is supposed to be coming out. The director of the Pokemon company, you know, he went on there and it it almost felt like hastily put together where he was like, hey, everybody, we're working on a Pokemon game for the Switch. And it's a traditional RPG. Pokemon out. And that's really all we know. We haven't heard anything from Animal Crossing. Um... You know, we haven't heard anything from Smash Brothers. We're not going to be getting a new Splatoon game. Uh, so I don't think Nintendo's going to have as good a year next year unless they have some surprises in store for us. That sure. being said, they could have some surprises. Nintendo has really been playing things close to the chest. What do you think? So uh, my only thought is, I, I have two thoughts. One is we don't know what Retro Studios is working on. So that's I feel true. like I that's one about surprise, them. right? Like that's one surprise that... Nintendo has in their back pocket. Is is that going to be a 2018 title? I'm not sure. I could definitely see them announcing a really heavy hitting game at E3 and say, and by the way, it's coming out in September uh, or November. I could definitely see them pulling that where they have this big holiday seller that they're going, they're going to hold until maybe E3, uh, which wouldn't be entirely unlike them. Uh, and then my other thought is all the 3DS software development, where is that going? right now so where's all the development time that nintendo had reserved for 3ds titles going right now and it makes me think that perhaps there is a lot more development time going into switch games that we we just haven't heard of yet uh so i'm i'm interested to see if nintendo is going to take on this oh we're doing a direct in march a nintendo direct in march to talk about a game that's coming out in june that you're just hearing about for the first time like I don't know, like if that if that's a a possibility, but if they start doing stuff like that, where you know we're announcing a brand new entry to Smash Brothers, and by the way, it's out in three months, that would be a pretty exciting kind of uh, momentum that they would build throughout the year. I feel like that's what Nintendo's been doing, really. I mean, yeah, we knew about Zelda for a really long time, but the whole announcement with the Switch at all was. I mean, we were constantly talking about what is the NX? What is the NX? We finally found out that it was called the Switch in November last year. And then Nintendo didn't say anything else about it until, um, what was it, January? No, February, I think it was. Sure. And then they actually announced it. They gave us the price and, and, you know, they talked about uh, the different games that are coming to it. You know, they played that really, really close to the chest. And I think that... Far too often, game developers, um, they announce things way too early, way before they're ready, and they do it because of pressure from shareholders, I feel like. And it's almost always a mistake. And Square Enix, I'm looking at you, uh, Square Enix constantly announces things way too early, and then they have to delay. Where if Nintendo does exactly what you're talking about, I think it would be brilliant for them to say, oh, and here's the new Animal Crossing game, and it comes out tomorrow 
or it comes out in a month or something. Well, probably not tomorrow, but you, you kind of get the picture. Um, don't, don't give too much time for the hype to die. And I know that I mentioned all these franchises that we're waiting to hear from, but what I think would be even better for Nintendo is to just come up with new franchises. I think ARMS is a great example of that, for sure. ARMS and, and even Splatoon. I know we're in the second entry for Splatoon, but definitely proof that Nintendo has the ability to spin up brand new IPs and Nintendoize them, put the level of polish that we would expect from those games and release them and, and have them be really fun and, and sell really well. So hopefully. Without a doubt. ARMS is, I like ARMS better than Smash Brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I would definitely agree with that for sure. It's a really, really great fighting game, and um, I would love to see, <laughs> I would love to see the Arms characters in the Smash franchise, and I'm sure that we'll see that in the future at some point. Um, Nintendo's characters, you know, I talked about lazy character design with the with the Brutals at the beginning of the show. Talk about fantastic character design coming out of the Arms team, and new characters coming out. Pretty steadily. So I think that that's a, another good example of just extending the life of these titles. Uh, so that, again, people aren't trading them in. You know, this, the, my Switch library is growing faster than any library I've had in the past because I typically do sell my games pretty quickly after I complete them. And I've been reluctant to do that for every game that I've purchased. Same here. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm always a, a fan of just talking games. So anytime. Where is it that people can track down Tom Tate? So the best place uh, to check out the show is powertimepodcast.com. Of course, you can search for it on Apple Podcasts and check it out there as well. And I'm fairly active on Twitter at YoPowerTime, Y-O PowerTime. Uh, you can follow me there and uh, definitely catch up with me. And again, always happy to talk games. All right. Thank you and uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Switchcraft is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the publisher and distributor of the world's largest selection of digital audio books and spoken word content. Audible customers can listen anytime and anywhere to professionally narrated audiobooks across a wide range of genres, including bestsellers, new releases, sci-fi, romances, classics, and more. Get two free audiobooks to start. After 30 days, if you decide to cancel, you get to keep the books. If you decide to stay on, and you probably will, get one book every month for $14.95. In addition, you also get 30% off the price of additional audiobook purchases. Cancel anytime. Your books are yours to keep even if you cancel. You can sign up today for your free 30-day trial at runjumpstomp.com audible and directly support the show.